Well, hey, good morning, and again, welcome to Group Link Sunday here at Mercy Church. Listen, your friends that you spend the most amount of time with, they will be the number one most powerful influencer on your relationship with God. It's true whether you're 7, 17, 57, it, it doesn't matter. Y'all think about the times in my life where uh, all the way back to when I became a Christian, when I went to that youth camp as a teenager, the reason I went there was because some friends who I knew invited me to go with them. When I went off to a mission trip over, during college where I learned so much about my purpose and what it was going to be um, for the rest of my life, that was because some friends challenged me to go. I've had so many moments where I've walked up to right on the edge of a, like a really bad decision, and I've had friends saying, hey, don't go there. Don't do that. And it's kept me from making some huge mistakes. Time and time again, friends have been such a big influence for me. Listen, friends who walk with Jesus, they'll take you along with them. And friends who walk away from Jesus will take you with them too. Right? Yes. Look, good Jesus-loving friends, they're, they're like sparring partners for your faith. You know what I mean when I say sparring partners? You know, someone who helps you become a better fighter by training with you. You know, sometimes they make you a better fighter by standing behind you or standing beside you and they're cheering you on. They're, they're encouraging you. Go for it. You can get one more rep. You can do it. And sometimes they're the ones standing right across from you and are willing to punch you in the face, right? So that, so that you can learn what that feels like. So you can watch out when it comes, right? Listen, these are people who love us. We need some spiritual sparring partners, people who are in our corner, who will train with us, who will fight with us if that means fighting for us and for our faith. And y'all, we do not need to wait until the stay at home is lifted to begin making friends like these or to step up our game with the friends that we currently have. This may be the most important time in all of our lives for true life-giving friendships. It's certainly the time where we've like, we felt the need for it, right? I mean, just the other day, a friend came first thing in the morning and brought Courtney and I at Starbucks. Just simple little thing, such an act of kindness. And the whole family went to the door to greet her. So we opened the door, we're like, oh, hello, human. It's so, so nice to see you. You don't live here and you're real in person, right? We, we feel that need for community, for friends. So we're devoting this entire worship service to building Jesus-centered, sparring partner type community. Here's what today is going to look like. I'm going to kind of talk to two groups of people, or I'm going to take everybody, and I'm going to lump you into two groups, all right? The first um, are those who are already in a Mercy community group, and then the second is going to be those not yet in a community group. Community groups here at Mercy, those are smaller groups of people who walk with Jesus together and who help one another become more like Jesus, all right? We, we gather together, we pray together, we study God's word together, we eat together, we, we make sure that we have meals when we're sick, we get on Zoom calls right now together, right? And listen, if you're in a community group, I want you to be thinking about who your sparring partners are and what your next step training together might be. Your homework basically is going to be to step your game up. But if you're not in a group, the goal of today is to link you to a community group, thus the day we call Group Link. They exist, our community groups exist all across the Charlotte area. You need to get in one today. Listen, you have my permission. At any point, 
during this sermon and rest of the service. And I don't ever give this, but at any point, you can head over to the group link lobby and connect to a community group, okay? Whether that's using the button that's in our chat feature or whether that's just using the simple link, mercycharlotte.com slash group link. You head over there and our team is ready and waiting to take care of you. It won't take long. You can come back over here and finish the service, all right? I told you, friends are gonna be the biggest influencer on your faith. So my question today is really simple. Who are your sparring partners? Who are they? Who has God assigned you to spur on in their faith? I want you to think about that way, not just what they can do for you, but think about it for a second of, of what you're going to be doing for them. Who is the person or persons in your life that's going to get pushed closer to Jesus by you and your influence? Who is the, the man or woman who's going to say five years from now, thank God that person was in my life because I don't know where I would be without them. And by the way, you know, when I say sparring partner, I, that's not like an official program or, or title or anything. It's just an illustration, right? I mean, we all know that the number one rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club, right? So, it, but, but I want, as we walk through, we're going to stick with that. And that's going to be the, the way I want you to approach. We're the people that are pushing me closer to Christ. We're going to walk through Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. I'm going to give you three truths and then three action steps because that's just how the passage well, that's just how it lays it out. Three truths. This is what you use to encourage your sparring partner. It's the content they're going to use to encourage you. And then the action steps are basically how to train, right? All the while, I want you thinking, who are your sparring partners and what is, what's our next step together? So we're going to dig into this. I'll go ahead and tell you, this is a massively influential, influential passage on me, okay? I, I love this passage of scripture, and we're just going to dissect it a little bit and learn together, hear from God together as we open his word. So we start out in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters. Okay, stop right there. Out of all the metaphors that the Bible uses, the one that is the clear winner to describe the church is this idea of family. The church is a family. When you decide to follow Jesus, the Bible says you're born again into a new family. Now we got to talk about that, okay? Are families perfect? No, they are not. Everyday family life is a hot mess, especially right now while we got to be around each other all the time. That picture, you know, that we have of us hanging on the wall where we're all smiling and we're all dressed in a matching color scheme, that's not normal, okay? That moment had to be coordinated weeks in advance, and it only took place under the threat of death for certain small humans, it's like the only reason it was able to happen. Real, everyday family life's a mess. And you don't pick your family that you're born into either, do you? But I will say, you know, I know all of us have different family stories, but, but I love my family. I, I love them deeply. I'm deeply committed to them, right? And I think about, uh, in a way, that the family that I didn't pick would be the one that I grew up in, right? I think about my siblings, right? And there's no circumstance that's going to change who my siblings are. I've got two brothers. I will always have two brothers. That sibling bond is an unbreakable forever bond. And Jesus comes along. And he says, all right, that bond, that family idea, I created that to help you understand the bond that I am creating between my followers. All right, so here's the first truth. Christ, he comes with a family. 
All right, so when you believe in Christ, you are also getting a family. All of you, Jesus says, are my, your children in my family. God is the father and you are brothers and sisters in my family. The gospel has bound you together in my blood, which is way more powerful than your blood, way more binding than your blood. So if you're going to believe in me, you're going to belong to my family. And it's not always going to be that, think about it in church world, it's not going to always be that really inspiring picture that we put on the front page of the website. All right? It's not. People are going to disappoint you for sure. And yet they're family, which means you and I work through it together. And y'all, I'm pausing here to say this for a minute because sometimes church people are the reason that people don't get involved in church. All right? But listen, I know what you think with that is, well, they don't actually practice what they preach. It's true. (laughs) You're right. We don't always practice what we preach. And take your pastor as just lesson number one in that. Example one, I think of Christ telling me over and over that he's in control, right? Christ is in control. And then I preach to you fine people, Christ is in control. And yet, over and over again, I get angry or anxious when things don't go exactly as I planned. I grow gray hair. (laughs) because I'm so worried about things not going exactly as I have them planned, even though I know truth that I don't always live by it, right? He tells me that he loves me and that his love is enough for me. And yet here I am worried about whether or not you like me enough. You know, I don't always practice what I preach because me, just like everyone else, we're all still messed up by sin. And so are you, which you know. So maybe you just need a church to say, you're right. There are no perfect people around here. But we are clinging to a perfect Savior, a perfect Savior who says we are family together and there is always room for one more whose life isn't always a picture. And your sparring partners, they are going to be one of those messed up family members. So they're going to let you down at some point. And part of being, you know, in training together saying, you know what, I forgive you. I forgive you. You know what, it's okay. You know, actually, I see what's going on in your world right now, and I need to let my world be more about your world than my world right now, and I need to encourage you in your faith. And let's get back up, and let's push each other forward. You're not the enemy. You're a fellow sinner. Let's keep training together. That's what family does. Now, that's the first truth. All right, Christ comes with a family. This second one is so powerful. That one's a little bit easier to understand. The second one's so powerful, i got to go slow here. I'm going to leave the second half of verse 19, or the rest, I should say, verse 19 and verse 20 up on the screen as I talk through it, okay? We're going to go almost word by word. So, so here's the verse. It starts with since. Same thing as the word like because. Because of this, we're going to do something, right? Like because the garbage truck comes on Tuesday, we need to make sure we roll out the trash cans Monday, right? What is the sense? Because all the action steps are going to come after this sense. But what is the sense? Since we, this Jesus family, these sparring partners, have boldness. That means we're not timid in whatever action he's about to say, right? We have confidence, not cockiness, but, but confidence to enter the sanctuary. All right, now's a really good time to tell you. Verses 20 and 21 summarize the first 10 and a half chapters of the book of Hebrews. You're welcome. All right, there's a reason the book is called Hebrews. It's this explanation of how Christ fulfilled the promises of God found back in the Old Testament. And it's written to a Jewish audience who knew that the sanctuary was the most holy place where God himself, the presence of God actually resided. You don't go in there. All right. In fact, the high priest only went in there one time a year. 
And when he went in, he had to have a rope tied around his waist. So if he dropped dead from an unholy act or entering in an unholy way, if he dropped dead in the presence of this holy God, somebody could drag him out. Right? To a fault, y'all, in our day, we don't think of God as holy. We think of him as loving, but not always as holy. And you got to have both. That is who God is. Well, well, now what he's saying is we have boldness to enter the sanctuary. We, you and I, who have been in sweatpants for like two months, right? Who are sinful people that would definitely be consumed by the holiness of God. We can confidently enter into the presence of God. How? Next part, through the blood of Jesus. Short meaning, listen, the reason the high priest went into this holy place in the sanctuary was to make a blood offering for the sins of the people of Israel. He would kill a lamb and he would sprinkle its blood across the altar because sin always has to be paid for in blood. Well, the blood of Jesus is different. Unlike those lambs, see the blood of those lambs, it would atone for sin, but it wouldn't allow people to still to come and enter the presence of God. It would just atone for their sin. But the blood of Jesus is so powerful and so holy that not only did it pay for our sins, but it opened a path into the presence of God for all of us. And that's why it says next, he he inaugurated for us a new and living way. This way, whatever this is, this coming into the presence of God, it's new. Wasn't there before, right? And not only is it new, the way itself, look at this word, it's living. This way is alive. It's not a dirt path. It's not some series of steps you have to complete. It is a living being this way. I think of John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And then he goes on to say the new and living way through the curtain, that is through his flesh. All right, get this. (laughs) The living way is a curtain. The sanctuary, back to that Old Testament sanctuary, the sanctuary didn't have a door. It had a thick curtain. And the moment Jesus died on the cross, Matthew's gospel tells us that that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Just as Jesus's flesh was torn down, so the barrier between God and man was torn down. So we get to walk in. Not hesitantly either. We get to walk in like we belong there. Christ died to create that way. That's our second truth. Christ's death for your sin secures your standing with God. And I don't mean standing just in terms of an idea. I mean standing in the presence of God. We are forgiven, redeemed, and have access to God himself. Not because we deserve it, but because Christ has made a way by becoming the way. Hear me, this is big. This is the core of our faith. It's what we need to rehearse over one another. It's the encouragement sparring partners give to each other. The gospel says you can now go to God. You can only go to him through Christ, but through Christ, God hears you. He loves you. He's with you. As you grapple with the very real emotional and psychological weight of this isolation that we've been in, you can be comforted that God has opened the curtain and has invited you into his presence. And you can walk boldly in there. You can talk to him. You can just sit in his presence. You can rest. Jesus is going to say, you, in fact, can make your home there in his presence. What a hope. 
what a hope that we, that we have that we need so much right now. What a, what a flame of hope that will never, ever go out. And that leads us right to our third truth, verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Remember the priest that would go into the, the most holy place, the one with the, the belt wrapped around him? The two key ideas about Jesus are now coming together in this verse. He is the way, which means he had to take a, a lowly place, right? A humiliating death on the cross, but he also takes the high place. He takes the exalted place. He is the one watching over the church, leading the church. He's still, right now, the one going to God on your behalf like a priest does. He is still standing at the throne of judgment and he's looking at God and he's got his hand covering you and he says, my blood pays, pays for this one. This one's forgiven through me. Y'all, he didn't just make the way. He remains alive and actively presiding over his people. The house of God, of course, is now the church. The church isn't a building, it's a people. It's the family of believers. That's the house of God. And Jesus takes that exalted place over his house. He's our king on the throne of heaven and he's our priest advocating for us. And so we submit to him as he represents us to God the Father. It's so beautiful. He didn't just leave us a, a Bible as an instruction manual. He is also still with us presiding over us, actively watching over us, caring for us, guiding us. When we pray, we're praying to a God who is here. He hears us. He's right here with us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus cares about your life like that? He cares about his people. What an amazing God who presides over the universe and yet is intimately involved with his people. This is our third truth. The exalted Jesus is still caring for you now. The exalted Jesus is still caring for you. Those are our truths. Those are our promises we need to encourage one another with. We're, we're a family, right? We're not going anywhere. We're in it. We're never going to bail on each other. When we offend each other, we're going to own it. We're going to give grace because we're a family. I'm not going to expect you to be perfect. I'm just going to expect you to keep pressing in with me. And I'm going to commit the same for you. And I'm going to keep telling you that Jesus loves you so much. He spilled his blood for your sin. He made a way to the presence of God for you. And the presence of God, that's what satisfies the soul. I'm going to keep telling you that. And you're going to keep telling me that. Not money, not fitness, not marriage, not kids, not alcohol, not drugs, not swiping right. Nothing is going to satisfy your soul other than the presence of God. So come back to Jesus. He's still here. He's still caring for you. That's what we're going to do. Now, here's how we take those three truths. And then what's going to happen now that he set this up. All that was since. Since these three truths, he's going to say, let us. Now he's getting into the action, okay? So here's what we do. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean. I'm going to explain these, uh, these metaphors. From an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. All right. <laughs> First thing, sparring partner. Oh my goodness, this is so rich. First thing you got to do if you're going to be any good as a sparring partner, you got to you got to be nourishing yourself, right? you got to go and get nourishment from God. Let us draw near. 
That means let us go to what Hebrews calls a few chapters earlier in chapter 4, the throne of grace. Let's go into the sanctuary. You know what I'm about to say right here. Uh, If you've been around mercy for any length of time, you know what I'm about to say. It is the legacy that I want to have in your life, that you meet with God every day. Go to him. Years from now, I don't know, I want you to be thinking like, oh yeah, Pastor Spence, he was that dude with the really bad dad jokes and crazy insistent that I read my Bible and pray every single day. Yes, (laughs) yes, that's it. And then he says, you know how to do it? How do you draw near with a true heart? And it's in full assurance of faith. Here's what that means. That means an awareness that our only access into that sanctuary of God, to the Holy of Holies, it only comes through faith, but it comes certainly through faith. There's no doubt about it. How awesome is that? You are are certainly, you can be confident you're going to have access there. Hearts sprinkled clean and bodies washed. This is what Jesus has done for us. His blood was sprinkled across the altar as a payment for our sin. It sets us free from captivity to our evil conscience. He has washed us. He has made us new. We are new in Christ. We have new life. The old is gone. The new has come, Scripture tells us. We are forgiven. So here's our first action step. This is what we're going to encourage one another to do. Go to God every day because you can. That's what a sparring partner says. Go to God today, man. Go tomorrow too. Hey, did you go to God today? If you didn't, you better put that phone down and go. In fact, let's go go together. Let's get a reading plan, 30-day plan. We'll do it together. Let's go because we can. We'd have to be crazy not to go into the sanctuary today. It's where life is. It's where hope is. Why would we go anywhere else? Let's go again today. Listen, sometimes you may have to spiritually knock your sparring partner upside the head and say, let's go. Here's why, y'all. Because the one place the enemy wants us to avoid is the sanctuary. Right? Because he has no place in there. So he wants you and your friend to have zero desire to draw near. He wants you to think it's not a big deal. And he wants to surround you with people who think it's not a big deal. And I'm here today, I think partly on assignment to wake you up to the sleepy, deadly lie of the enemy that says meeting with God is not a big deal. Of course, by the way, you don't want to draw near if you haven't been drawing near. Of course you want to just cruise along with the pleasures of life. You've forgotten true soul satisfaction, so you're settling with numbing yourself through temporary pleasures. So yeah, you got to get in a community group. you got to get some friends who can show you the way back to the sanctuary, who can walk with you there, who will cheer you on and remind you how much better life is there. Y'all, the greatest, the greatest shield against the attack of the enemy is going to be your closeness to God. He can't get you in there. And this is why I'm like, look, if you, if you don't need any more encouragement, go right now. Get in a community group and To those of you in a community group, is this the kind of community that you're practicing? All right, here we go. On to verse 23. The second, let us. Let us hold fast, or excuse me, hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Some translations say, let us hold fast. Either way. Since he who promised is faithful. The second thing we do is hold on to the confession of our hope. The confession of our hope is the gospel. And we're to hold on to it without wavering, which 
to me, kind of seems hard. All right, just candidly, my faith wavers sometimes. Right? So, so how am I supposed to do this? Well, first, you've got to realize you're not holding on to it in your strength. You hold fast. This is what the second part of this is saying. In his strength. Because he who promised, who promised he would come and die for your sins, who delivered on that promise, who promises his death for your sin, grants you forgiveness, who says he watches over you and will never leave you or forsake you, who says one day he's coming to bring, your home, bring you home, you are able to hang on because he is faithful. And you're in his strength. We rehearse the gospel over ourselves and we remember that we are standing in his strength today, not our own. So here's the next action step. Preach the gospel to yourself every day because it's true. Because it's true. My old pastor and mentor, J.D. Greer, he put this into words years ago uh, for us when we were serving together. It's really good. He calls it the gospel prayer and he prays it each day to help him hold fast to the gospel, to preach the gospel to himself. Uh, I'm going to give you the first two parts of the prayer and, and you can certainly look up the rest of it. He said, in Christ, he says, this is how, how I would start my, my day. I would say, there is nothing. He's talking to God. He's saying, God, there's nothing I have done that could make you love me less and nothing I could do that could make you love me anymore because I'm secure in Christ. Second, secondly, he says, you, God, are all I need for everlasting joy. I love that. Maybe you need to pray that gospel prayer each day. Maybe it's something else, but you got to hold fast and you got to help your sparring partner to hold fast. Remind them where their identity is. The confession of our hope, the gospel, that's where we get our identity. That's who we are and no other label matters. But y'all, labels come at us all the time. We put them on ourselves. We hear something said about us or that we even think might be about us. And all of a sudden that defines us. But listen, no other label matters. You are not a failure. You are not the funny guy. You are not the emo girl. You're not the preppy guy. You're not just the athlete. You're not the nerd. You're not all those labels, whatever they are, all those labels. Listen to me. Unless the king of kings has given it, that label is just a label. The king has called you child. The king has called you son or daughter. That's who you are in Christ. And it can be easy to live like other labels matter more than that one. That's what the sparring partners are for. To preach the gospel to one another and say, no, no, no. There's only one label that matters. So you remember the gospel. You rest in it today. Verse 24. Here's our third and final one. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. It's our final action. Let us consider one another. Now the sparring partner metaphor starts to come into full form, right? Let us not look to ourselves. Y'all, the Christ, Christianity is a community project. It is not an individual exercise. Let us consider one another in order to provoke. And I love this word provoke. Uh, the literal meaning of it is to stir up or get this, irritate. <laughs> Let us get close enough to one another that we can irritate, agitate one another to love and good works. You need some people close enough to you in your life to have a license to irritate you in the name of Jesus. All right? That's what you need to provoke you to love and good works, to tell you, listen, that guy you're dating, he's no good for you. He doesn't walk with Jesus. He doesn't have friends who walk with Jesus. His hotness is not going to be enough for you. 
He might be a 10 physically. He's a two spiritually. Ain't enough. And like I've noticed since you've been with him, you've been kind of distant. You've lost your edge spiritually. You act like Jesus isn't a big deal anymore. You need to get out of there. You got anybody in your life who can tell you that? And listen, that person is needed in, for everyone in every stage of life. Everybody needs that friend. That's a sparring partner. So here's our action step. Third and final one. Stir up someone else's faith because they need it. Y'all have had many times in my life, um, I think maybe a, a good illustration to this, it's the one that we're using that you can kind of see this physical training and, and spiritual training, kind of how they parallel. I've had many times in my life where I, I've started working out again. <laughs> I don't know if you've been that way, like, hey, I've started working out again, you know, um, and, and it's just the worst, right? Like, I never want to go to the gym. I never want to go there because it's hard. I get out of breath and I just hurt the next day because of the lactic acid buildup or whatever the thing is, right? It's the worst. But then there are people who, who break through that restart wall and, and they have this lifestyle of healthy eating and exercise and they can't imagine life any other way because they feel great. We all, you know, a lot of us hate them, right? No, I'm just kidding. No, we just, it's because we want to be you. All right, I promise if that's you. Um, but listen, they usually, what happens though is they surround themselves with other healthy people. They travel in packs. You've seen them. They take pictures on mountains and things like that, right? Um, and, and, you know, what any of them will tell you is that doing it with others, having this sort of healthy lifestyle with others makes all the difference, right? That's why, like, CrossFit, Iron Tribe, Orange Frog stuff is so popular because they tap into the power of community, and they help you break through that restart wall and get into a lifestyle. Listen, maybe you've restarted spiritually many times. I'm telling you the game changer is community. It's sparring partners. Look how the passage finishes, verse 25. Not neglecting to gather together. See that? Not neglecting to be together uh, as some are in the habit of doing. Some... In the church, we're in the habit of trying to lone ranger this thing. Some were in the habit of not thinking that this was a big deal, and I'll come around every once in a while. But instead, look at it. I love that instead, it's not just get together, but instead, encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. One of the most encouraging things to me as your pastor is how engagement in our worship gatherings has actually gone up since the COVID crisis uh, started and we were all kind of forced into our homes. All of our engagement metrics and markers are higher than they've ever been. Um, it's just, it's a really encouraging thing to me. And listen, if you, maybe this is the awakening and the wake up that you needed to how important it is to be encouraged in your faith by other people, both in our worship gathering and in community group. And the last thing that you would want coming out of this is to drift back into, if you were one of those, you know, the average um, Christian in America attends church 1.7 times per month. This is pre-COVID world. Last thing you would want is to drift back into that. Now that you've, you've tasted and seen how critical community is, wouldn't you want to, to stay there? Y'all think about, I think this is one of the things that God is reminding us of. I mean, how could he not be? This has never happened in history. The whole world has stopped. And one of the things that should come out of this is that instead of neglecting any of our gatherings, whether that's a worship gathering or, or community together, worship smaller groups as well, we should instead not just gather, 
but instead come ready to encourage one another. Ready to encourage each other to draw near to God. Ready to preach the, preach the gospel to ourselves each day. All the more as we see the day, the way he finishes here, that's the day Jesus returns and we enter heaven with him. Y'all, I know I've been using the sparring partner metaphor. I hope it's helpful, but spiritual training is entirely more important and on another level than physical training. First Timothy 4 says, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since, it's hold, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So I hope you'll commit yourself to training in community because not only is it valuable here and now to encourage you in your faith, it prepares you for eternity of worship with your God around the throne with the saints. Listen, I was a community groups pastor for about 10 years before I became a lead pastor. So I want to close us out just answering a couple of common objections that I would get. For those of you that are considering making that step, uh, if you haven't yet today, making that step into a community group, um, th- these are some common ones that I hear and maybe I can help answer them. The first one uh, is the first objection that probably the most common is, but I don't know these people. Well, yes, that's true. That's also been true of every great friendship you've ever had right? You didn't know them until you got to know them, right? Nobody's asking you to go into your deep, dark secrets the first time you step into community, all right? But think about your best friendships. They were forged through some shared experiences over time. Trust is going to come in time, and friendship is going to come with that trust. You just got to get started, all right? The second objection, um, if people were willing to say it, but they would say it, um, a lot of times we're all thinking it, though, is, is it going to be weird like, that's some version of, is this going to be weird, strange? I, I don't know. I've never been in anything like this where we get the Bible out and say, what was that? Listen, first, I want to affirm you. This is my kind of objection. This is the way that I think. Um, listen, first off, I'll tell you that our community groups are meeting over Zoom right now. So if it's weird, it's really easy to leave. I mean, our community group leaders aren't going to be happy with me saying that, but I mean, it's kind of true. Um, but really, listen, these groups, they study their people. Y'all study the Bible together, pray together, try to help each other walk with Jesus. If it gets weird, you let us know. Now, I will say, weird is different than awkward, all right? Everybody is awkward until you get to know them and get to know their story. You are an awkward person. Maybe I'm the first person to tell you that, but you are, all right? We all are until you get to know one another, and then you get some good friendships. A third objection, a very common one, and it's a real one, is scheduling. Although I will say, isn't it awesome that that is not a big objection right now? Like you're not doing anything tonight or tomorrow night or the next few nights, right? Um, Our groups meet once a week. Uh, I think you should get in one. I think you're going to find it very valuable to you. And then I will tell you, people always make room in their schedule for what is valuable to them. I've seen it time and time again. All right. And I'll go ahead and say, by the way, if scheduling kind of related to that is childcare. Now, again, right now is a little bit different because you can't really get a babysitter over to your house. I don't think maybe that's not. But once you're actually able to get a babysitter again, we're going to help cover the cost of childcare for anyone who wants to attend a community group. That's our commitment. Our elders have committed a significant portion of our budget to help uh, take down that obstacle because we know that's a real one. And we want you to be in community. It matters that much to us. Uh, and the last one I'll, uh, that I'll bring up, there's plenty of them, but last one I'll bring up that I hear and see is uh, the objection of, well, I've already got friends. Do I really need more friends? I've already got some friends. First, I want to ask you if your friends are these kind of friends. 
Are they sparring partner type friends? Second, do you have this kind of community in your local church? And that's a huge thing because yes, the church is global, but its expression all the way into the letters in the New Testament has always been local. It's a group of people that play out the commitment to Christ together and they commit to one another. That's why commitment to membership at Mercy, we make that a really big deal around here, right? Because we want to commit to one another to practice this community together. So you need to dive in to community with people who are headed the same way under the same vision and leadership as you are. Y'all, there are hundreds of reasons not to join a group you could come up with, but you are called to community. I know that. And for us, community group is the expression of that, okay? You're called to community, and I believe you're going to be better for being a part of it. So I want to pray for you, and I want to continue our worship gathering together, invite you over into the group link lobby, whatever you sense God calling you to take your next step. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for Christ. Thank you that he made a way for us to come in to your presence. Thank you that he still cares for us. He's still with us. God, I pray that even the encouragement of your presence, I pray that that would would rest some hearts today. That would bring peace in the place of anxiety, that that would bring comfort to people that are feeling lonely. God, thank you for your church. Thank you for sparring partners, brothers and sisters, who in so many times in my life have pushed me closer to you. God, I pray that you would give courage to men and women that are feeling the calling to take that step, but the nervousness around it. God, I pray for courage. And I pray that you would encourage them that you're going to be with them every step of the way here. You're going to walk with them into these new new friendships, into this new community group, whatever it is, you're going to be with them. I pray for courage for people that, that have Christian community to take a next step in really becoming the type of brothers and sisters you call them to be, where they really are pushing each other closer to Jesus, to being more like Jesus. God, would you, in your grace, give us the grace and humility to be those kind of friends for one another. God, we love you. We thank you for the work that you are doing among us even now. And it's in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen.